0: Hey, uh, it is great to be here this morning. I was just saying, we were uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were together down in the, the um, parking lot for our Easter parking lot service, and that was just a fantastic time, wasn't it? It was just good to see kind of everybody. We're hoping that we get some more chances to do that as the weather gets nicer, so keep your eyes open and uh, be looking for those um, those dates that will be coming up that we'll be letting you know about. Hey, uh, this morning, as we're about to get into God's Word, have you ever... Uh, Got into one of those sections, you know, when you're reading the Bible and you open it up and you read something and then you think, hmm, you know, I didn't see that coming, right? Have you ever read one of those, you know, and you're going, to, wow, I didn't, I didn't know I'd find something like that in here, right? And uh, we're going to be in one of those sections today. <laughs> so uh, that should be kind of fun for us. Um, we're going to be in one of those parts. Some of you guys will know the story already. And if you know the story, what I want you to do is I want you to kind of step back from what you already know. So that you can kind of look at it and hear it, you know, see it with new eyes, hear it with new ears. And the reason I, I want you to do that is because I need us to all recognize that there are parts in Scripture that are kind of they they're a little surprising if you're going into it for the first time. And, and some of us have been in in the Bible or have grown up kind of around these stories long enough that they don't really hit us with the the power that they actually could. And, and so I want us to go into the story and. One of the things that we're going to find out today is resurrection, whenever that gets thrown into a story, that kind of throws it into a whole different category, doesn't it? Right? I mean, whether it's the story of Jesus at Easter, or whether it's this story about this valley of dry bones that all of a sudden gets raised up into this army, it's always just like, wow, resurrection, didn't, didn't see that coming. So this morning, let's stand together as we're going to be reading God's word. We're going to be listening with these new ears to hear what God might have to say to us. So let's stand together. If you're at home, I invite you to stand with us. This is God's word, Ezekiel 37. Now, the words that you're going to find up here are verses four and five. Let's keep those up there. But I am actually going to be starting in verse one because I want to give us some context for what we're going to be hearing in verse four and five. So this is starting Ezekiel 37, verse one. It says, the hand of the Lord took hold of me and he brought me by his spirit and set me down in the middle of a great open valley and it was covered with bones. He led me around among all of them and I saw that there were many scattered over the whole valley floor and they were dry. They were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Lord God, you alone know. And then our verses in four and five. So the Lord said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. Behold, I will cause the spirit to enter you that you may come to life. You know, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes up residence within us and who does that work of transformation within us that makes us more like Jesus. But we can't see him, we can't touch him, we can't smell him, we can't feel him, we we can't hear him with these physical ears, right? At best, sometimes we feel like we can sense his presence among us. This morning in worship, I don't know, I was sensing that God's right here with us, and we might even see the effect of him coming through, kind of like when a wind blows through and you see the trees move, but you're, you, don't know, you don't know where it's come from. It's just all sudden there. And that's how the Holy Spirit can be. It's kind of it, often when, when God is working something in us through the Spirit, it's like it comes out of nowhere. We don't know. All of a sudden, it just kind of is there, it is just is moving. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how God takes this wind of his spirit, this this wind, this thing that kind of moves the air around and at times seems to make things appear out of thin air. Amen? Father, we want to ask that your spirit would be here today, that he would be moving among us, that he'd be moving in our hearts, that our ears and our eyes would be new, that we'd be looking at this story and hearing from a heart that's ready to hear something new, that's ready to hear you speak and ready for you to create something even this morning that just wasn't there before. We may not even know where it came from. It just seemed to come out of thin air, but in fact, it came from the power of your spirit, from the presence and the work of your spirit as he is is at work in our lives So Father, we pray that you would change us, that you would make us more like Jesus, that you would do this for your glory, that you would change the world through us for your glory in the name of your son, Jesus, to honor him for all that he has given, that these things would be possible, and that you would do these things by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Okay, what do we call it? When somebody comes across a, just a large amount of money, they come across it suddenly, they come across it unexpectedly, they, they, and, and they haven't worked for it. What do we call it? And I'm gonna give you some clues. It's, it's, not, it's not extortion, it's not embezzlement, it's not bank robbery, right? I mean, this is legitimate. What do we call it? Windfall, windfall, right? And that, I mean, what an interesting term. Why windfall? Well, windfall is actually, a term that comes out of the 1500s, and it was talking about when the wind blows through a tree and it might knock some fruit off the tree, right? Or it might even blow the tree down. And that wood or that fruit then becomes available to whoever happens to be passing by at the moment. So it was called a windfall. A week and a half ago, there was a, there was a family that was up in, um, up in Massachusetts. And they hired this professional treasure hunter because they were selling their house. And this house had been in their family for for generations, but they wanted him to do this final sweep before they sold their house. And any of you who have sold a house, you know that that's not normal protocol for selling a house, right? You don't always have somebody check for treasure, but they had this hunch, they had this suspicion um, because they actually had this like family lore, you know, that had been passed down that their grandfather had squirreled away a bunch of money and hidden it somewhere in this house. And they hadn't found it yet. And so they wanted to make sure that they weren't leaving anything behind when they sold it. So they had this guy come through, and sure enough, he found something up in the attic. He found this cash box. And this box had $46,000 in it. You guys, that is a windfall, right? <laughs> that's, that'd be, how many of you guys thinking, man, I got to go pull up some boards in my attic then, right? Just make sure. But that's a windfall. Why do we say windfall? Well, because the wind is unpredictable, sometimes the wind will blow through a tree and it, you know, it, it won't knock anything down. Not one piece, not one leaf will come down. But other times it just shifts just a little bit. It may not even be as strong, but it'll take the whole tree down, because wind's unpredictable. You know we lived in, in Kansas for, for quite a few years, and when we were there, there was one time that this tornado it came hopping through our town. And it took the roof completely off of a garage of a family that we knew. And there was no other damage anywhere in the town. Just that one garage. Why? Because wind is unpredictable that way. You don't know. In John 3, 8, Jesus said, you know, the wind blows where it wishes and you don't know where it's coming from or where it is going. And then he says, and so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. He said anyone who is filled with the Spirit or who is led by the Spirit of God, they're they're kind of unpredictable like that, like the wind. Why? Because God will probably direct them in ways that nobody expects, nobody sees coming. In fact, if you've been led by God's Spirit and you feel like He's, there are times that he asks you to do things that you didn't even expect, right? and go directions, and there are things that he will do in your life that nobody could have possibly seen coming. That's what happens in our story in Ezekiel 37. This is something that nobody saw coming. Why? Because the wind of God's spirit is at work, and so things seem to come out of thin air. So one of the things that happens is at the very beginning, it says God brings Ezekiel, and it says that he grabs hold of him and brings him in the spirit and you're going, what is that talking about? Well, it's, it's kind of talking about you know God gave him a vision, but this seems to be more than a vision. This seems to be where God actually kind of brings, brings Ezekiel into this vision to such an extent that it seems like, it feels like he's right there. It's this totally immersive place where God brings him so that he can speak to him. So that he can show him and teach him and lead him and form him so that his ministry, so that he he forms in Ezekiel what he wants formed. Well, that's something unexpected, right? But that's something that the Spirit does in us. And we become like that wind that people don't always know where we're coming from or where we're going because of what the Spirit is doing in us. But in this vision, in this, this movement, Ezekiel is brought into this valley. Now, I want you to get a picture of what Ezekiel is seeing in front of him, because he's not just seeing you know, what we picture, this, this deep valley with mountains kind of coming up, and this brook running down the middle. What he's seeing in front of him is this huge, wide open plain that is between two mountain ranges. Now, in Colorado, we used to call those parks. You had Estes Park and Perry Park and North Park and Middle Park and South Park. They were these huge valleys in between mountains, miles across. And in the ancient world, in, in Ezekiel's day, armies would come down. These massive armies would find these valleys and they would fight in these valleys because it gave them room to bring these big armies in there and maneuver and bring chariots and horses and to be able to have these massive battles. And so God is bringing Ezekiel into this battle or into this valley, and he, he sees this valley, and he says it's covered with dry bones. Well, dry bones means a couple of things. Dry bones, one, means these bones have been there for a while. They're dried out. The sun has hit them. The rain has washed them. They've, they've been picked clean, they're just, and they're all over the valley. Dry bones also means something else. It means that these are unburied bones. The fact that he can even see them, means that they haven't been buried. And what that means is that these bones represent probably the army that was in that battle that that lost that battle because it ends up they didn't have anybody left to bury the bodies. Now, what scattered means is that these bones, they're all over the place. And what scattered means is that they're scattered all over the valley means that this army was probably in disarray at the time, at the end of that battle. They were running every which way and being chased down and cut down and just left to lie where they fell. Scattered also means that probably the scavengers then came because these are unburied and they picked at these bodies and they dragged these bones all over the place. So he sees this valley and it is covered with these bones just scattered all over the place. And so what we have here is God is giving Eli, or Ezekiel, he's giving him this picture of this valley, this, this battle, the aftermath of this battle. And it has not gone well for one of the armies. This army was routed. They were cut down and destroyed. They, they didn't even have one survivor that then could bury the bodies and could keep them from the dishonor of having their bones picked at by scavengers and dragged all over the valley. So this was a complete devastation. In fact, it was so complete that if you think about it, what's left is scavengers have already been there. So these are the pieces that not even the scavengers want anymore. Now, if you're with God in that picture, you're seeing what he's starting to say. I think there are times that in our lives we look at pieces and places in our lives and we go, you know what? This has been such a complete disaster that there is nothing that anybody wants left in this piece, in this part of my life, or even in my life. It's just all dried out, scattered bones. And into that That moment, into that space, God comes alongside of Ezekiel, and he says, can these bones live again? Well, Ezekiel knows better than to say yes, because that's impossible, right? But he knows better than to say no, because God always does the impossible. So he just simply turns to God and he says, Lord God, you're the only one who knows the answer to that question. And there are times I think too that that's that's really the only answer we have. It's like God says, can this be resurrected again? Well, I don't know. You're yes, no, you know. Sometimes that's where God wants us to be. Because He wants us to let Him take the lead in where He's going, because God knows the answer to that question. In fact, you read the rest of the chapter and you see what God was intending from the very beginning. God was going to raise this army up. He was going to raise up an army that would become his army, would become what the end calls this exceedingly powerful great army. And he was going to do it out of these bones, these unwanted, discarded, discounted, just useless, dried out, unremembered, scattered bones. He was going to make something out of thin air by the power of his breath that moves that air, by the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, I asked you at the beginning, I said, what do we call it when someone has this, like they come across this huge sum of money unexpectedly? And we call that a windfall. What do we call it on the other side? What do we call it when circumstances go the other way? What do we call it when somebody loses a large Chunk of money unexpectedly. What do we call it when somebody's health takes a dive? Unexpectedly, suddenly. What do we call it when we bring an army out to a battle, right? We're all ready. We think we have. We wouldn't be there if we didn't think we could take this one, and yet we're completely wiped out on the battlefield. What do we, what do we call that? Because windfalls windfalls aren't that, that common, are they? How many of you guys have recently found $46,000 in your attic, right? No? But what if I said, what about shortfalls? What about pitfalls? What about, what about these, these, these downfalls? Those times when in our, our lives when the bottom just drops out. If I asked you, have you had one of those, I, I'm pretty sure that every one of us could probably come up with a couple of examples of that. Windfalls aren't that common, but but these kind of these other falls they really are. What what about some of you? I think some of you might even be in that place right now. You're in that place where you're looking out over the battlefield and saying, "I don't know that there's anything left." You're looking at your finances and they're just they're just not adding up. Emotionally. The emotional life, you know, I've just been seeing over and over again examples of people that as a result of this pandemic, whether it's students or whether it's families or whether it's business owners, or, but emotionally this, this pandemic has taken a toll. I was just talking to somebody this morning and it's like it's always in the background. And, and it's something that for some, it's like I just, we can't shake it the way we used to the way we could before we got to this point, because it's just, it's just there. What about that? Sometimes, you know, what about <laughs> there, are, there are people that are going through this and all this is adding up and sometimes the finances come together with the emotions and then something suffers like your family, something suffers like your marriage and you feel like your marriage is at the brink and as you look out over it, you say, I don't even see pieces that could be put together to make anything worthwhile. And in these times, sometimes we look out over it and it's like that battlefield. And we look and we see, all we see are these dried bones, this army that has been completely decimated. It was the best that we had to offer and it's been completely left, just wiped out, left to left. We don't even have someone to give us a decent burial. It's just, there's nothing left. You guys, it is in those moments that this passage says that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord God takes hold of us and he carries us in his spirit. And we don't like this part. We don't like this part because he brings us back to the place of our defeat. He brings us back in that vision to that place that we go, God, why are you bringing me here? Why are you making me look at this again? I was trying to go on from this point, but you're making me, and he looks at that and he makes, us, he makes us take it in and he says, can these bones live again? Can even these bones live again? And if we've read this story, we think we know the answer. Well, yeah, you can do it, God. But before we answer that, before we answer that, I think it's important. There, there's a couple more things that we got. A few more things we we need to get out of this story because we need to know when when God is about to resurrect something. There's some things in the story that change. We need to know that. We need to we need to see that clearly before we answer this question. One of the things that we need to we need to understand is when God, when he resurrects an army, he doesn't raise them so that they can go back and fight the same battles the same way they did before for the same reasons they did before. That's what got them killed. So when we ask God to come in and resurrect something in our lives, and we ask him and we think, yes, God wants to, you know, God wants to come in and he wants to raise something up. We need to understand. He's not asking us to go back and he's not giving it back so we can do it the same way, the same for the same reasons. because that was what the, that was the problem in the first place. We need to understand that when <laughs> when something becomes a resurrected thing, that it becomes God's thing. God was raising up this army so that they could then begin to fight his battles for his reasons on his terms in his way so if we go to god and we we're, we're wanting god to resurrect our i want him to resurrect my finances he's not going to resurrect them so i can continue to spend my money the way that i want to for the same kind of motivations and reasons i did before If God is going to bring back that marriage that we thought was completely gone, it's not so that that couple can go out there and they can just kind of dive into life and they can go back into the same communication problems in the same kind of way that they they were going at life individually or together. They're not going to, in that home, it's not so that they can do the same thing. That's where the problem was. He's saying, listen, if I'm going to resurrect this thing, it's going to become my thing. So the question we need to ask before before we answer that question where God says, hey, can these bones live again? We need to ask the question, am I willing to let this become God's thing instead of my thing? Because when something resurrects, am I willing to let God use this for what he wants, to go by his agenda, his playbook this time? because when something becomes resurrected it becomes god's it's no longer ours it's out of our it's so far beyond us we don't even know, we don't even understand that world the world of resurrection life we we have to like we have to like Ezekiel just step back and say god you know lead on second when god does raise his army if you go on and you read the rest of the story he uses this process that honestly, it gets a little uncomfortable. It's a little unsettling. It's not just strange. It's just unsettling. If you read on, we read about this actual resurrection. Ezekiel steps up and he speaks those words that God told him to speak. And immediately he says, he hears the sound, and it's like this clattering sound as these bones start coming together, right? And the, it says, and then the ligaments start growing and the, the, the tendons and the, and the muscles over. And then you start getting, you know, you got to get the internal organs start showing up and the eyeballs and the tongue. And, you know, you get all this that's showing up and then finally the skin covers up. And by the end of the story, you can recognize this as an army. So he also, obviously there's clothing and there's, there's armor and there's weapons that show up. And so all this happens, but that's gross, Right? Having to watch all that. I mean, that's just traumatizing. Sometimes we go through this process with God and we're like, really, God? You had to bring me through all that? I mean, why couldn't you just wave your wand and have it all show up? That would have been a lot better, I think. Right? That would have been a lot easier when we're asking God to resurrect something. We need to realize it's like the, going to the doctor. I go to the doctor. I say, doctor, I need a new knee, man. There's something. But I got to tell you, I, I, I need to have this happen kind of, I, I, I've i got a busy life, so You need to probably come over to the house after I'm asleep. And please don't wake me up because I need my sleep. Doing it when I'm in bed and when I'm done, I really don't want any pain. I can't be slowed down. There's too much to get done. And and, um, I need it, you know, and I don't want any of those scar things. I want to be able to, you know, wear the same swimsuits. And I got pretty legs. I got to, you know, I got to take care of these, right? But sometimes we go to God and we say, God, I don't care what you think the process needs to be. Can you just clean it up for me? And we need to realize, if we're going to, before we answer that question, can these bones live again? We need to ask ourselves the question, am I willing to go through whatever process it is, process it is that God needs to bring me through in order for this to happen? Am I willing, am I ready to go through that? Because I can almost guarantee you that God's going to bring you through something and there are going to be parts of it you're going to go, I'm not sure I like that. Can't we go a different way? There's nothing worse than bailing out on God halfway through. And that's really, that's this final part. When God raises this army up, what's interesting is he actually does it when you read this story. It's in two phases. The first word comes And it says that these bones come together and the bodies form. But by the time that's done, the, the, the army is completely intact, but they are still lying lifeless on the valley floor. There's no life. They're not standing up. They're just lying there. They're in their armor. It's all potentially there, but they're just laying there. And then God comes to Ezekiel and he says, I want you to speak a second word now. But this word's not to the army. This word is to the breath, the wind, the spirit of God. It's not until Ezekiel cries out to the spirit of God that God says that he sends the breath and it fills them with life and they stand up. And They're standing there and it says that they are an exceedingly powerful, exceedingly great army. Now they were a big army before, but now they're a resurrected army. I mean, I I I wouldn't want to face that in a battle. You, you just got done wiping them out. You know, 20 years ago, you come back, you're going, wait a second. And they say, yeah, God raises from death has no power over them anymore. There's something that no one's ever seen before. This isn't the same army. This is a resurrected army now. There are places in our lives that we want God to do an impossible thing, and we begin to pray, and as he does it, and he gets things back to kind of normal, they look like they're put together again. They look okay. And we say, that's good, God. That's good. Just We're good now. And that's when we kind of bail out. Our finances kind of look like they're back in a stable place. Our, you know, we're back living in the same house with you know that person that we we care about. We're we're you know, we we look and are emotional, we feel a lot better, you know, we're okay, God thanks, you know, it looks good. But I want I want you to think about something. Those bodies that are lying on that floor, but they don't have the spirit of God, they don't have the life in them yet, what happens to those bodies? Well, they just rot again. They become dry bones again over time. And the fact is, if the Spirit of God does not breathe into our lives, if the Spirit of God does not breathe into those areas of our life, if we don't step back and just say, okay, whatever the process is, whatever you want to make it, it's all yours. You take it, and he breathes into it. If that doesn't happen, there's no life. We need to understand that, you guys, a valley full of lifeless bodies, is not a whole lot different than a valley full of bones, except for time. And sometimes we ask God to bring something back, and he brings it back to a point, and we don't realize that if we don't take that next step, that final step, it's never going to be what it should be. It's never going to be what God intended it to be. It's going to be beyond what we ever imagined it could be. But without the Spirit of God, there's no, there's no life, there's no power, unless it becomes that resurrected thing that becomes God's thing. Then it's just a life that's put together without the Spirit of God is just a life that's ready to fall apart again. A life, that, an army that's not a resurrected army is just an army that's ready to get defeated again. So the question we need to ask before we answer that question, can these bones live again, is the question of this. Uh, Am I willing willing to cry out that the Spirit of God and let him infuse everything, infuse this area of my life, infuse my life so it becomes something beyond, something that I never would have expected it to be, that I would become like the wind. That I would become so that no one knows exactly where I'm going. They don't know where I'm coming from because the Spirit of God is at work in me. And by his breath, by his movement, he seems to be just making things out of thin air. So we need to ask those three questions. Am I ready in this area of devastation in my life, in my life itself, am I ready to have this become God's life? not my own? Am I ready to go through whatever process it is that he deems necessary to get me there? Am I ready to walk with God through that? And am I ready to let the Spirit of God infuse me, come and to make me into something completely new, something I didn't expect, something honestly that is out of my control? I am not my own anymore. I belong to him. My finances belong to him. My emotions belong to him. My marriage belongs to him. My family belongs to him. My schooling belongs to him. My life, everything belongs to him. To do with as he will. and To call me and to lead me as he will. You guys, this morning, I can guarantee you that if you're sitting there and you say my life, if you say this section of my life, this part of my life, it's in utter devastation, I can guarantee you God is standing there with you and he's standing beside you surveying this thing and he's saying, so do you think these bones can live again? Can these bones live again? What he's really asking you to do is not just answer that question because he's asking you to ask these other questions and make sure you're ready to answer the question. He knows what he wants to do. He knows what his answer is. He's saying, are you ready? Are you ready to give this to me? Are you ready to give up ownership of it? Are you ready to go through whatever process it is that's going to shape you and get you ready to become the army, the person that I need you to be? Are you ready? Are you ready for the Holy Spirit to come in and completely transform you and bring life? Where I can make something that wasn't there seemingly out of thin air. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I gave you a verse from Revelation 3. It was Revelation 3.20. It said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens this door, I will come in, dine with him and he with me. Well, this week, God kind of led me back again to Revelation 3, but this time it was verses 1 and 2. And this is the word I think that this is what I want to leave with you too. Just think about this. It says, he who holds the seven spirits of God. That the, and that's just another, the, he who holds the, the spirit of God, the one who breathes and that moves even the thin air, creates something out of nothing, holds the seven stars. He says this, I know your deeds. I know your life. I know what's happened. I know your history. I know where you are, that you have a name, that you are alive, and yet you're dead. And how many times do we go at life and we think that we're alive? We even have a name. Sometimes the hardest thing is not just coming after the battle, but we're on our way to that battle that we're about to get wiped out. We don't even know that we're, we're just a dead man walking, right? God says, I know that you have a name that you're alive, even if you have a name that's alive, but you're dead because the spirit is not infusing this says, even those things that seem to be doing okay, if they're not infused with the Holy Spirit, they're nothing. So he says, so wake up and strengthen the things that are left, even if all that's left is just dried out bones on a valley. Strengthen. And he says, strengthen those things. How do you do that? Well, God strengthens them. It's his process. Because you are about to die, for I have not found this work finished in the sight of my God. I have not found this process in your life finished in the sight of my God. We've gone maybe halfway there, two-thirds of the way there. Most of the areas of our life are okay. You know, we but God says it's not complete. God says today, I want that, that to be something that you come to me and you you have that, you you stand with me and you answer the question. Can these bones live again? God says, Yes, they can live again. You guys, the other thing that God put on my heart was this, that that this is not just we've been talking about individual as individuals, but I think as a church, we stand in that place too. We were just talking this morning about there are areas that we look out over the landscape of our church, and we say, there are things that look pretty devastated. And God says, can these bones live again? And what he's asking us, he's saying, Can you let this church be my church? Can you go through the process with me without bailing out halfway through? Can you go through the process? No matter how unsettling it seems, can you go through the process that it's going to take to make you the church I need you to be? And will you let me pour my spirit out and take complete control and make you into something you didn't even know that was possible? So this morning he asks us, he asks us as individuals and as a church, Will we let the Holy Spirit, the very breath and wind of God come and stir up even the thinnest of air and bring out this amazing resurrection that changes the story completely?